Hey, welcome to the Hopecast. This week we are looking in Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 19. And we're talking about how um, sin entered the world through uh, Adam and Eve. But through Jesus, life uh, is available to an even greater extent. So, hope that you enjoy it. Hope that you're blessed and encouraged by it. Also, let me interrupt here. I usually put this at the end of the sermon, but um, I don't know how many people listen that long. So I'm going to put it at the beginning just to see what happens. Uh, If you would love to contact us about anything that you heard today, whether it was an encouragement or a blessing or you have some concerns about what was said, uh, feel free to contact us through our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at HopeChurchRC. You can also find us at HopeChurchRC.com dot org is our website and our email is hopechurchrc at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you uh like i said whether you you agree or disagree uh we'd love to talk to you about it uh and if you have if you listen on a platform like apple podcast that has a rating system we'd love a rating uh it just helps people to find the podcast a little bit more and uh, we'd really appreciate that anyways thanks that uh that song kind of hit me a little different this morning um I have a hard time reminding and remembering, reminding myself that Jesus hasn't changed. No matter how I'm feeling, um, there's a there's a saying that's made popular the past few years, and people of, of all different all different political persuasions have used it. Facts don't care about your feelings, and in this case, that's actually true. <laughs> uh, no matter when I feel alone or discouraged. Jesus hasn't changed. He still loves me deeply, even when he feels like he's silent. And that was just that was really special for me today. So uh, hopefully it was for you too. Um, you ever watched the infomercials? And I looked, and I, I used this example or a similar one to it uh, about a year ago, um, last March, I think. But it's, I'm, I'm taking, I have a different take on it though. So if you're like, oh, I've heard this before, well, just hang on, okay? Uh, so one of my favorites, uh, some of my favorites in the past 20 years, um, Slap Chop. You, ever, you remember that one? It's like one of those things. And I remember my grandma having one of these things. You put stuff in it and you just smack the top of it and these little blades go up and down and they chop it and they rotate around. My grandma had one of those things. So it's not like it's a new thing. They just repackaged it. Um, flex tape or flex seal, you know, where he like, you know, the, the one image that they always sticks out of my mind where he has the big vat of water and the water's just gushing out and he takes a piece of tape and just slaps it against the side of the tank and it automatically stops it. In my experience, that tape is not that sticky. All right. I've tried to use it a couple different times and I had to actually end up, I was trying to use it as a barrier on wood against moisture that was in contact with the ground. I ended up just stapling it to <laughs> through the wood because <laughs> it wasn't that uh, sticky for me. Um, but the one that, that I kind of want to key in on uh, because it's kind of relevant to what we're talking about today, is OxyClean, right? Anybody remember Billy Mays? Well, not just OxyClean, but anything that Billy Mays did. He was kind of the king of infomercials for a while. And he always kind of had, as he was selling and and presenting the deal, he had this little catchphrase. He was like, okay, so if you call in right now, 19.99 for 17 payments or whatever, you're going to get the tub of OxyClean, and you're going to get this, and you're going to get that. And then he would say, but wait, and then what? There's more, right? But wait, there's more. And he was kind of like, that was his thing, right? 
And you always be adding things, right? You're going to get the OxyClean. You're going to get my neighbor's cat. You're going to get this spatula. You're going to get a special key ring. Uh, we're going to carve your name into the side of Mount Rushmore. I don't whatever, right? All these crazy things. And in our passage today, there's a thing that happens, and then something else happens to counter it, but the thing that happens to counter the original thing is so much more, okay? You'll see when, once we get into it, all right? And so I want to key in on the idea of so much more or how much more this morning. Um, so we're going to be in Romans chapter 5. We're looking at verses 12 through 21. We won't like go into great detail, for, or sorry, 12 through 19. We won't go into great detail in all of it uh, because this is one of those passages. It is super detailed or you can get super detailed into it like you could probably if, if you know if you really wanted to um do a whole series just on these seven or eight verses for several weeks six eight ten weeks and it wouldn't be that hard okay because you could really really dissect we're not gonna do that <laughs> we're, we're just kind of taking a, a, a big overview of it today but we're in romans chapter 5 we're looking at verses 12 through 19 paul says this therefore just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way, death spread to all people because all sinned. In fact, sin was in the world before the law, but sin is not charged to a person's account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who did not sin in the likeness of Adam's transgression. He is a type of the coming one. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if by the one man's trespass the many died, how much more have the grace of God and the gift which comes through the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflowed to the many? And the gift is not like the one man's sin, because from one sin came the judgment resulting in condemnation, but from many trespasses came the gift, resulting in justification. If by the one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So then, as through one trespass, there is condemnation for everyone so also through one righteous act, there is justification leading to life for everyone. For just as through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so also through the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Father, thank you for your word. Help us today to absorb it individually and corporately, and then to let it overflow into our lives and into the lives of those around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, a little bit of background on the book of Romans. It is a letter to the church in Rome, which would have been made up of Jewish people and Gentile people. Now, there was a mix of opinions about how they should worship, just like there is today, right? So, a lot of times, you know, the old saying, the more things change, the more they stay the same. We have a mix of opinions in our church today, in the, in the church today, about how we should go about worshiping. Right. There are some that are more casual. There are some churches that are even more casual than us. They're like home churches. They just kind of sit around and talk and it's much more conversational. Um, there are some churches that are very 
um, ceremonial, right? And they have, you know, the, the, the pastors, the preachers wear uh, robes or they have, you know, symbols they hold up of the cross and there's, they're like ceremonies they go through every week and, and there's things that uh, they say, right? Um, as a group. And so uh, there, there are ideas of how we should worship today. And back then, there were some ideas of how they should worship um, even then, right? So there were people who were former Jews who said, we still have to follow the law that was handed down to us, the law of Moses, the 613 commandments, and make the sacrifices and do all of these things. That's still, that hasn't changed. And there are some people that said, well, maybe there's only a few that we really need to worry about. And then there were some that, that said there really aren't any. Because Jesus has fulfilled all of that, right? And there's still lots of those views today. This is Paul's major work, right? And he was writing it to the people of this church. One, to kind of introduce himself. He had, they had never met him before. Um, but uh, also to help maybe settle some of the arguments among them, right? He was writing to basically say, this is what the law did. This is what Jesus did, okay? Uh, it mainly deals with the topic of salvation or soteriology. How does it work? What is it? It's a very, very dense work, right? If you've ever read like a classic novel like War and Peace or what's, what's the, the, the Karamaz, Brothers Karamazov or whatever, I've never read it. It's a like classic piece of literature. Super dense, super hard to understand sometimes. Romans definitely needs more than just a quick reading over to really get it. And even then, we've had it for thousands of years, since about 55 A.D. or C.E., and we still argue about what it means, right? So it's one of those things, we're not going to unpack what Romans is all about today, uh, but hopefully it will get some of it. Um, the theologian N.T. Wright says that Romans is like a mountain, right? That, that people have differences of opinion about how to climb. And I quote, he says, Neither a systematic theology nor a summary of Paul's life work, but it is by common consent his masterpiece. It dwarfs most of his other writings. It's an alpine peak towering over hills and villages. Not all onlook onlookers have viewed it in the same light or from the same angle, and their snapshots and paintings of it are sometimes remarkably unalike. Not all climbers have taken the same route up its sheer sides, and there is frequent disagreement on the best approach, what nobody doubts is that we are here dealing with a work of massive substance presenting a formidable intellectual challenge while offering a breathtaking theological and spiritual vision. So to say there are many views about some of the passages in Romans is an understatement. There are very, very many different views. And the passage today has some alternative views, especially toward the end, but it's mostly straightforward. The main idea is this, we all fail at loving others and loving God, but Jesus lived so that we might know real love from God in a much greater way. In chapters 1-4, through four, Paul lays out the argument that we all fall short, we all fail at loving God and at loving one another, and we stand condemned in our sins, unable to receive God's love. And here in the middle of the book, he lays out the solution. Now, he had been laying out the solution all along, but here we kind of reach a peak, right? And that is Jesus came 
to establish a way back to God, back to wholeness and holiness. Okay. Verses 12 to 14 are kind of a summary of the opening of the Bible. Remember, Paul doesn't know his audience. He doesn't know um, if they know the beginnings of Christianity, if they know the beginnings of Judaism, which kind of led into Christianity. Christianity is only about 20 or so years old at this point. People are still trying to figure it out. Some people are still even just hearing about it, right? So he wants to make sure they all know where he's coming from. You can never assume that somebody knows everything that you know or that somebody's lived experience is just like yours, right? When I went to college, I assumed everybody was just like me. Everybody had the same little small town, whatever. I was way wrong. I was way, way wrong, right? And I found that that was a big culture shock, like very quickly, right? But I learned to realize not everybody knows what I know or has experienced what I've experienced and vice versa. So here's kind of what he's talking about, right? Sin entered the world through one man, Adam. Well, technically Eve, but Adam was there too. And just like men like to do, he wanted to take credit for it, I guess. I don't know. Either way, sin entered the world. That was a joke. Um, the lack of love that we have for God and others at times when we mistreat each other, right? That's sin. It's, it's a lack of love for God, a lack of love for each other and ourselves. And when sin entered the world, death came along with it, and it spread to everyone because we all sin, right? And why is this the case? Why is it that we are all condemned because of what Adam did? Is it fair to punish all of my children for something that only one of them did? Not usually. Sure, there are some times where it makes sense for everyone to take a time out you need to go chill in your room by yourself. We all need a break from one another because we're all unhinged in this moment. But generally, no, we don't, we don't punish everyone for the, one, uh, for the one person's mistake. So why is it then that we have to suffer from the consequences of what Adam and Eve brought about? Well, we're not innocent. We all partake in sin. No one is ever perfect. We all harm one another in various ways, whether we mean to or not, because there are sometimes we make mistakes, things happen, we trip and fall, fall into someone else, accidentally hit someone, we hurt someone. I'm not saying that those types of mistakes are sins, but we all harm one another in various ways, right? We have to teach our kids to be kind. We have to teach them not to be impulsive because it could lead to hurting others. Um, it doesn't always come out easily, right? Uh, as, a, as a part of who we are, kind of our human nature, we take care of number one. We look out for one another, right? It's kind of built into the system. It's a feature. And sometimes that happens at the expense of others. So because of Adam, we all experience death through sin. And not just because of him, because of ourselves. Augustine in the 300s coined the phrase original sin as in... This was the origin of sin in the world, and because of the sin of Eve and Adam, we are all born inherently sinful. However, Judaism did not hold this view, and neither did many in the original church. The issue is, who is to blame for my sin? Is it Adam, or is it me? And that's an issue for academics and scholars to discuss at great length, 
But ultimately, the bottom line is we all sin, whether it's Adam's fault and I can't help it, or whether I choose to do it myself and it's my fault too, right? Ultimately, though, we all still sin, whether it's inherent in humanity or it's an individual issue. And if we stop there, it would be the saddest story ever told. It would be absolutely tragic. God created a beautiful world and Adam and Eve sinned and ruined it all the end. That's horrible. But, thank goodness, Paul says that the gift of God is not like the sin. God is so much greater. Jesus, what He did, is so much greater than sin. Verse 16 says that Jesus' gift is not like the judgment. Humanity's sin led to judgment for all. But Jesus' life, death, and resurrection led to life, led to real life, full of real love from our Creator. Not separation like we had experienced before. If sin brings death, Jesus brings even more life. Some places in the Bible call it abundant life. And then if we back up one, verse 15 says that Jesus, it says how much more through Jesus has the grace of God come. And how much more has it overflowed to the many. One sin um, condemned many. One Savior freed so much more. So many more, right? Jesus' grace has been multiplied to be even more to our sin. And more and more people get to experience the love of God in a personal way because of what Jesus has done. And some people take this as an excuse or a release from living a life that pleases God And I don't believe that to be the case. It's not an excuse to continue in sin, but a motivation to live in His love, to seek out ways to love God and to love others and to love ourselves by extension. This is great commandment theology. Every day we are faced with the choice to act in a way that acknowledges God's love, to receive it in our own hearts, and then let it pour out of our own lives into the lives of those around us. That's what Jesus came to do, to more than make up for the effects of sin. And we receive it by acknowledging our own part in sin, by confessing our sin to Him and recognizing that He became the settlement for our sins and we profess our faith in Him. And then once we've received it, we put it into practice. We forgive others. We are gentle and kind. Even if someone hurts us intentionally. And that's really hard. Impossible almost. Now, it's helpful to look at this passage in a non-linear format called a chiasm, right? In ancient literature, passages were often written in a symmetrical manner that helped readers to understand. This isn't common today, so it's not as evident, but it's super cool to see. So imagine like a greater than sign with verse 12 at the upper left, verse 21 at the bottom left, and everything kind of builds up until it gets to verse 16, and then everything after verse 16 Uh, is a mirror of what came before, right? So it's helpful to understand this, right? But it's hard to look at it in that way. So I've I've made another uh, way to look at it, right? So if we look at it um, side by side, it helps us to understand kind of this mirror image, right? And maybe helps us to understand a little bit more what the passage is talking about. Now, I got this from a website called helpmewithbiblestudy.com. It's a great resource to check out. Uh, You should go check it out. So here's how this breaks down, right? Verses 12 and 21. 
Through one man, sin enters the world, and through sin, death enters the world. And then on the flip side of that, through one man, grace reigns, and through his righteousness, eternal life enters the world. Right? The opposite of death, but at the same time, so much more than the opposite. Then verses 13 and 20, without the law, personal sins are not counted, but with the law they are, and the greater the sin, the greater grace is. Grace more than makes up for sin. Then in verses 14 and 19, because of Adam's offense, we have death, but because of Jesus' obedience, we have righteousness. And then the first part of 15 and 18, the free gift is different than the sin. In contrast to the transgression that led to everyone's demise, the gift, this one act of righteousness, undoes everything and brings justification to all. Right? And then the second part of 15 and 17, again, we're leading up to this peak of verse 16. The result of Adam's transgression pales in comparison to the results of God's grace and the gift by grace of Christ Jesus. Despite death's reign, those who receive His grace and the gift of righteousness through Jesus Christ will reign in life. And then the peak, verse 16, the gift is nothing like the consequence of Adam's sin. One sin condemns, but the one gift of Christ covers a multitude of sin. Every sin you've ever committed, past, present, and future, are forgiven because of His grace and how great it is. It's a wonderful expression of His love. And we're in the season of Lent, even though like we don't celebrate it like super seriously, but that is kind of the season of the church that we are in. Um, the next several Sundays until Easter will be focused on helping us to get ready for Easter, preparing our hearts, preparing our minds so that we can celebrate the death and resurrection of Christ because this is the central critical point of our faith. Jesus came to the earth. God made flesh and lived an exemplary life. One that lived perfectly within the greatest commandment. He loved God and put His commands into perfect practice, loving His neighbor perfectly in the process. And through His death, He provided payment for our sins when we could not do so because we have not perfectly lived out God's commands. And just as sin brought death, Jesus brings life, but not in equal amounts to the death that sin brings. Jesus' love more than makes up for our sins. It not only enables us to live in harmony with our Creator, but in harmony with one another. Hopefully, ideally. And every time that we are kind, every time we ask forgiveness from a person that we have wronged, every time that we are honest, even if it hurts or gets us into trouble, or any other good thing that we can do, we are living out the Gospel of Christ. Now that people can't be kind without it, I don't want to... You know, one will be mistaken that I'm saying that, oh, atheists can't be kind because they don't have Jesus. No, they absolutely can be. But for us, the motivation is because of what Christ has done for us and because we want other people to know that love also. It's an extension of the love that we've received from God. So this week and in the next few weeks, as you prepare your hearts to worship, 
at Easter, give thanks to God for the great gift of Jesus. This perfect gift that more than overcomes our sin. Put it into practice. Do the hard work of building relationships with your family and with your neighbors. I'll leave us with this. Jesus says that the greatest commandments are to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. Practice receiving this love. Tell yourself that He loves you. Often. Repeat it if you need to. I need to do it more than I do. Tell yourself that God sees you through the lens of Christ, not through your sin. When He looks at you, He doesn't see your sin, even though you messed up again and you did the thing that you always seem to fall into a habit of doing and you feel bad about it and you know that it's not what you're supposed to do, but you keep just kind of falling into it and and, and you need help from it. He doesn't see that. He sees Jesus' righteousness when He looks at you. Internalize that. And that will help you with that sin the next time, that temptation, right? Um, internalize it so that it can overflow out of your heart into your own life, into the lives of those around you, into your family, your friends, your neighbors, the cashier at McDonald's, the person that hurts you, because God loves them in the same way that He loves you. And He wants them to live in harmony with Him. And He wants them to live in harmony with you in the same way that He wants you to live. So this week as we're going out and about, remind yourself of how much more God's grace is greater than the sin that requires His grace. If that makes any sense. I'm going to need help with that. I struggle with that, I'll be honest. Um, and if you do know that we're praying for you y'all pray for me we'll all pray together that uh, we can live out um, the gospel in our lives let's pray Father thank you for Jesus thank you for how great he is how great his grace is help us to uh, internalize it and to live it out in our lives that it would overflow uh, into the lives of those around us, that they might know your love also. Thank you for everything you've done and for all that you're going to do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. We pray that this was uh, an encouragement and a blessing to you. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. If it was, reach out to us on social media. Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Hope Church RC. Our email address is hopechurchrc at gmail.com. And you can find us, find our website at hopechurchrc.org. Thanks, and hope you have a great week.